Hello and welcome to Cubicle Confidential, weekly advice for the working stiff. I'm Chris DeSantis, and let me introduce my co-hosts, starting with bees, the beguiling, the blithe, and the bonzer, Mary Abijay. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Hi, everybody. I'm Mary Abijay. What was that last one that you said? Bonzer. What the hell is a bonzer? It means you're either you're remarkable or wonderful. <laughs> Hey, I like that. And Chris, could you spell that for sure. us? Sure. B-O-N-Z-E-R. Bonzer. <laughs> I am Bonzer. Hello, Mary Abajay. <laughs> I am Bonzer. Well, hi, everybody. Uh, this is Mary Abajay, and I would like to introduce my amazing co-host to you, the beautiful, the bountiful, and the boyish, Mr. Chris DeSantis. <laughs> That's funny. Hey, Chris, do you like it? Is it okay for a woman to call a man beautiful? Uh, well, I think they read it differently. You're beautiful, meaning that I think it's a reference to how you feel about me, not how I look. Oh, yeah. More of like you're beautiful and like you're a beautiful person. Yes, my Internally, persona. not exactly. externally. Exactly. <laughs> well, glad we got that all sorted out. <laughs> I, you know, I had a British business partner named Karen, who I loved, uh, and she often used the word lovely to describe people. And I love that. So yeah. I find myself using that. I think it's a lovely way to describe people to be lovely. And I think if the British say anything, it sounds lovely. Well, you got a point there. I would say Karen was amazing whenever we had, like she could sell anything to any American ever. And she would be able to deliver the most difficult news to a client. And they would just be like, you know, Gaga, tell me more. Say it again. <laughs> You're a terrible leader. Oh, tell me more. Say it again. Like she was, she was a secret weapon. It's lovely. She was lovely. She was lovely, <laughs> lovely. So anyway, um, this is a uh, this is a very timely episode. You know, uh, the the pandemic's starting to fade. By the way, you know that, right? Well, so they tell right. us, right? And so we did an episode recently on a hybrid workplace, uh, but now it's back to the office, and we've had a few questions about going back there. Uh, by the way, speaking of questions about going back there. Your your firm, Mary has a, for those of you who don't know this, Mary has a, a consulting firm, uh, CareerStone, and uh, it is it is entirely remote. We are, as a team, we are entirely remote. We are entirely virtual. Uh, however, before the pandemic, most of our work was done in person on client site. But us as a team, we've never shared an office together. Would you ever consider doing that? You know, I have every year I raise it to my team and say, all right, is it time for us to get a WeWork? We tried that once one mm -hmm. year. Do we, should we get an office? And everybody just looks at me and says, do we have to? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, no, like if you guys are happy with the remote, uh, it, it works for me if it works for you. And the truth is because as many consulting firms, like there is a lot of collaboration that we have. But really, 70% of our work is done between us as individuals with our clients and often on their client sites. So on any given day, there would hardly be anybody in a shared office. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we're moving more towards remote. I think, I, I, although I do think the hybrid is here sort of to stay for a while. I think some firms will probably go all remote. Uh, yeah. And other firms will do some kind of combination. What, just as an aside, though, I know you have young employees. Uh, they're new to the work 
place? What would they have liked or what do, would they like? So I always have a young person that works for me because, uh, you know, we, we hire them. We will hire a college. Well, we always usually have college interns. And, you know, generally speaking, our young people will stay two or three years. Mm -hmm. um, I think they like the remote. We've asked them several times. But of course, they're self-selecting into a remote company. Mm -hmm. uh, but we do make a great effort uh, before the pandemic anyway that the that the youngest person the newest person spends time within a, at our own individual offices and we really used to make a really concerted effort to at least once a month have a full day time where we are all together in a meeting or uh you know together somewhere at someone's house so we did that for our young people but by and large they seem to like it yeah i've uh, it's been my experience with my clients now uh it seems the the young kind of like the freedom of this but yeah. i also hear from them they want to be developed in terms of they yeah. want more attention so i think there's a, a a tension here between those two things yeah absolutely and so when you know when we were uh before the pandemic we would have the young person she would actually call my client site with us so she was able to get some development uh she wasn't just sitting alone in her apartment all day every day uh so because i i agree with you i think when you're young at work it's really important to get that sort of face time with people to really understand the rhythm and the flow of the business to meet your colleagues to build that relationship to embed yourself in the culture well i also think it's a social thing i think yeah. at that young age you you want to meet a lot of people People that are going to eventually be part of your network, but you want to make friends. I mean, that's very true. And I, you know, my goddaughter uh, works for a large magazine, and they've been remote, and she's been really lonely. She's like, it's so hard being 24 and not being able to go into an office and make friends. It's funny we're saying this because I have a neighbor who uh, uh, works remotely, but and I work remotely all the time. And I would stop in at the end of the day um, and I'd say, well, what's going on here? And, all, and occasionally he would go, oh my God, can I just get a little alone time here? Because he's on the phone with Zoom calls all the time, <laughs> but I'm, I'm by myself. And so I'm socializing because I need to. So I, I think, and I'm making up for it with the neighbors as it were. And they said, leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. But I know what he means. I like do too. there's with all this remote work, there are times where it's like 5:30 and I know I need to answer emails because I've been on Zoom meetings all day or presentations and I don't even have the energy to answer an email. Even that feels too social to me. <laughs> so I totally get your neighbor. So Chris, leave your neighbor I alone will, for goodness sake. In fact, we should get on with what we're doing here. Are you ready for our first question? I, oh, so we're talking about being back in the pool? Back in the pool. That's what back all the, the seems to be the recurrent theme here. So, Adult swim time is over. <laughs> so you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Here we go. Well, they did it. My company has said <laughs> we are going back to the office starting in May. It's been two years and I simply don't want to go. I have been pretty productive at home, and my work doesn't depend on interacting with others. Aside from quitting, is there anything I can do to remain, in quotes, at large? Signed, the party's over in Pensacola. <laughs> That's funny. 
<laughs> That's great. Well, the party is definitely over, or at least the party's taking a little hiatus. So this is something that actually, Chris, that you and I hear a lot mm-hmm. from a lot of people. Mm-hmm. They're really resisting the going back into the physical office because they've really enjoyed their remote work. Mm-hmm. So I think you're going to have to, I'm not saying the party's totally over for you. It might be taking a break though. It mm-hmm. might be a party break. Uh, you're going to have to make a case to work remotely. So if your organization is like everyone back in the pool, let's go back in person, you're going to have to t- make a case for why you should be able to work remotely. So you could either start making that case now, or you could wait a bit, wait a beat, wait till people start to go back and then make your case slowly for why you could be remote and should be remote. Uh, you're gonna have to sell them on this idea. You have to show them how your productivity is greater when you are remote. You are have to offer a plan for how you're going to make this work. You're going to go back to uh, 2015 when remote work was a was a reward and not a right. And you're going to have to really convince people. You might also just take baby steps in it. You know, your organization, I don't know who they are or what they do, but for some reason, they really think people need to be back uh, in the pool. So you're going to maybe start off with by saying, you know what, maybe I could do one day remotely. And then you build it to two and then three. And then before you know it, you are, um, you are going to be completely remote and you're not, you're probably not the only or offer a trial period. Like, let me try this for the next three months and see how it goes. And you're not probably not going to be the only person that feels this way. So you could also get uh, a, a few other uh, like-minded colleagues and pitch your case together. Wow. I, I would agree with everything uh, you've said, Mary, here. I think it's uh, important to, uh, let me just, uh, at the front end of this, though, I would say just go with the flow. Go back to the yeah. office. Appear to be a team player. Do not be obstinate <laughs> in this. Everyone is probably feeling a little like you are feeling. Vocalizing it will not make your case. So in that sense, I think uh, if uh, if If you do make a case like this that isn't supported and you make a big noise and they let you do it, I think you're going to get on somebody's uh, shit list. You know what, Chris? That is a really, really good point. If you go in there with a negative attitude, why do I have to come back? That's not going to work. But you come in like a team player, that's a really good point. I'm really, darn, I didn't think of it myself. No, no, you had everything else down there because- it's. It's more flies with honey than vinegar. Exactly right. And and I think Mary's right too on this. This is evolutionary change, not revolutionary change. And give them a reason. Be exceptional. And when they tell you you're exceptional, that's when you ask for a little more flexibility. If they continue now, the only thing we don't know is if they continue to refuse, still play along and look for a new job. And that's either a negotiating ploy or a way out. Yeah. And we know that right now is the time for talent. Talent has a lot of leverage and a lot of power, the year of the talent. So I agree with Chris, play along to get along in the beginning, make your case, uh, be exceptional. And if they still don't let you do it, then start looking. Exactly. Just hang in there for a while there, Pensy. Party's over in Pensacola. (laughs) Have you ever been to Pensacola? No, I've never. No, I've never been. You? No. No, no. I've been to Florida. I avoid... I, yeah, I go to Florida. I don't like Florida. I'm going to be honest. P- Florida, don't write me letters. You are lovely people, but the humidity oh, yeah. in your state just yeah. does. My hair's a disaster the entire time I'm there. Yeah, me too. <laughs> people, Chris doesn't have any hair. Well, there is that. <laughs> if you're enjoying the show, please let us know. Give us a five star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
And don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends to tune into Cubicle Confidential. All right, so we've sorted out parties over. Oh, yeah. This next one, I love this next one. Dear Mary and Chris, I started listening to your show a few months ago, and since you've taken on all comers, I thought I could ask you this. I've been working remotely. Who hasn't? And now we have to go back into the office. I'm okay with that, but I've not been active um, as I once was, and I've gained 30 pounds over the last two years while I've been at home. My workmates are a bit of a are a bit rough around the edges, and I dread being the subject of some lunchtime gossip or good-humored teasing. How do I nip this in the bud before or when it invariably comes up? Signed, Boston Yank in Spanx. (laughs) (laughs) Or double Spanx, as the case may be. You know, when you're reading the question, all I could think in my mind was the Jaws theme music. Because I I suspect there's going to be a feeding frenzy on this poor... Is it a woman? I'm assuming it's a woman. This is interesting. Is it a man or is it a woman? I'm betting it's a guy. And you know why? You know what my reason is? Why? He's expecting to be teased, and a woman wouldn't likely have that overt expectation. You're right. That's a really good point. Women would expect people to talk about her behind Behind her her back, back, but they wouldn't expect to be teased because you're right. I can't think of a woman. Oh, could you imagine? Right. Oh, Oh, that would be awful. awful. But guys would do it. Guys Guys would do it. You're right. Okay, so let's assume this is a man. That's really fun because I was really assuming it was a woman. Uh, Well, I'm going to say this to Boston Yank and Spanx. (laughs) Um, Chances are you are not the only one. I would say probably 70% of my friends gained a couple of pounds, the quarantine 10 mm. or more during the pandemic. So be so don't think that you're going to be exceptional. You're probably not the only one. I agree. So there's a couple of things you can do. I don't know if any of them will work, but one, one thing that I do and there's something that I'm embarrassed about uh, is I just bring it up myself first. Just bring it up myself first saying, yo, everybody, look at my new figure. Mm-hmm. I gained 30 pounds. How about you, Jack? Have you gained any weight? Like, I might bring it up and mm-hmm. do a little self-deprecating humor because that kind of takes right. this. When you do it to yourself, it's not really fun for anybody else because they can't be clever about right. it. So bring it up yourself. Um, you could, if someone ribs you, you could burst into tears and run out of the room <laughs> sobbing. <laughs> Which is funny, which is funny. Which is funny, you know, you could, uh, you, you could um, also, when someone says something to you, you could say something like, why do you say that? Is there something different about me? Like, am I, am I like, am I, was there something I'm not noticing? Like, act like a doofus, like you don't know what they're saying and kind of take it out. You can laugh when they joke and say, yeah, I know. I, it was the corn nut season, season of the corn nuts, or, you know, kind of make fun of yourself and then change the subject. But I think that this is going to be a problem in organizations because gossip is coming back, right? right. So people are back together. So workplace gossip is coming back. So, you might also, when you hear other people teasing other people, you might put an end to that to sort of let people know that that's not the right way to treat each other. So, I think that's all really good advice. Although the other option is if somebody's worse than you, you might join in that and then they won't notice. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, preemptive strikes on other people. Exactly. Yeah. So, well, I like your advice. I I, I was going to say the similar things because in this case, uh, it's a case of the elephant in the room. You know what I'm saying? No yeah. pun intended. But they're 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 going to notice it. And you and and I liked what you said. My advice, but my advice is slightly different. Only on day one, not only do you you notice it, but you start a fitness challenge. Oh. You say 30 on and 40 off in six to 12 months. I like that. Yeah, because, and I looked this up, healthy weight loss is really about four to eight pounds a month. And so if you start a weight loss challenge, uh, weekly or monthly weigh-ins, and so you kick it off, and the other everybody else has to either put up or shut up. Uh, also, when you tell people, when you tell people you're going to lose weight, you're more likely to lose weight because you've put yourself out there. Yeah. And this is where you can start supporting each other and getting back into fighting weight. So it becomes a team challenge and sort of a communal weight loss. And, and in that sense, uh, you just say, hey, ask who's with me on this. So I think you can turn this into something positive for everyone. To, to your point, Mary, if, if most of us have gained weight, then why not collectively take it off? I think that is such a great idea. And even if there's only a handful right. of people, you're acknowledging it, you're doing something good, you're helping yourself get back into fighting weight, you are building camaraderie, you are building a good commiseration, you're making your misery everybody's misery, right. but you're doing it in a positive way. That's a really, really, that's a really great idea. I love that. Well, I will also say this though, how, how long, and I don't know this, but how long can you wear Spanx in any given day? Well, you're asking someone who has been known to wear them. Um, I can wear my Spanx all day long. Oh, you can? Because I would have thought the pressure of that eventually you, your, your head explodes. Well, it depends on how packed in you're in. So, <laughs> like, you know, some Spanx don't really don't really tuck you in that much. Mm -hmm. And some Spanx lose their, their um, elasticity. Their spankiness. And they just, <laughs> their spankiness. So, so they're, they're not that great. Um, but you know, the, you know, they're not that uncomfortable. I'm here to tell you, you got to find the right pair. You got to find the right pair. You got to know where you want them to hit you on your waist uh, and where you want to hit them on your legs. And you know, so they're like they, a modern girdle, right? They are a modern girdle. Right. They're probably more comfortable than girdles. I don't know. I never wore a girdle, but they're, they're thinner than a girdle. Like Girdles were really thick. I mean, girdles really held. They're not made with whalebone, then, are they? No, there's no whalebone. Okay. There's no whale. This isn't Downton Abbey. Um, uh, but I, I want to say one other thing sure. about you know just people coming back and having had big changes, like in their physical appearance or or anything, and and kind of melding that with what we know is the return of office gossip, which the Washington the Wall Street Journal wrote about a few weeks ago. But I think that we want to make sure that when people come back to work, uh, they need to come back and be kind to each other. Oh, yeah. So I would encourage, you know, organizations, managers, leaders to maybe have some conversations with their employees about kindness in general. You know, like, here's what we're not going to gossip about in the lunchroom. We're not going to gossip about Chris's, you know, weight gain. We're not going to gossip about, you know, the fact that Mary is like a basket case. Like, we're going to be kind to each other. And part of that kindness is not going to be ribbing people or, or making fun of them, either in front of them or behind their back. Like, let's come back and be a kind group. I think what's uh, going to happen, to, and again, I'm just speculating here, but if I haven't seen these people in two years. I think I'm going to automatically be a slightly more grateful in, in the sense that I'm reconnecting. And 
Well, Chris, you're a nice person. There's a lot of people no. in the workplace that are maybe not so nice. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, is maybe if someone looks at you and says, oh my gosh, did you did you gain weight? You'll say, no. In fact, I lost 10 pounds. Like <laughs> They may not remember what you look like. <laughs> oh, by the way, this is for our listeners. Uh, we've had other questions that came in. And in a, in a future episode, we're going to talk not only about going back to the offices, but what people wear in the office, yeah. which I think- oh, that's going to be yeah, fun. that'll be fun. So- if you have a workplace question, hey, people, we're here to help. Email us to info at cubicleconfidential.com. We'd love to hear from you. Anyway, are you ready for one more question? I am. I work as a manager of the admin staff for a mid-size accounting firm. We have been alter alternatively working remotely with some of us in the office some days and others at home, and then we trade off. It's worked because everyone was working remotely. Now the, now the office is reopening and management says the professionals can work from home two days a week, but our support staff has to come in full-time to cover their schedules. My support staff is predominantly women, and so having the flexibility was great for them. I know I will lose people if you can't maintain it. So how do I either approach management to change their stance or my staff to accept the new situation? Signed, betwixt a rock and a hard place in Batavia. Oh, hey, where's Batavia? Uh, it's, out, it's Illinois. It's, I think it's a very far western suburb of Illinois. Huh, interesting. I learned something new. Um, all right. So this one is such a tough one. Right. And I really feel for this person. Um, I think this is going to be one of the bigger challenges of hybrid, uh, and that is how to make it equitable for everybody. You know, when you let uh, one class of employee work, have more flexibility than another class, mm -hmm. it's kind of breeds a sense of unfairness. It's going to breed some cynicism. It's going to breed some resentment. So I think that this is a really um, challenging thing that organizations, if they're not thinking about, they need to start thinking about. And the other thing about this is that it's the support staff that's getting screwed here, right? right. It's the support staff. And they're mostly women, I'm guessing. As well, yes. she said in the question. And you know, what we know currently is that uh, women uh, uh, experience burnout at a higher rate than men. So McKinsey and Company hmm. and Lean.org recently released a study that showed us that there's a gender gap in this. 42% of women uh, say that they, they burned out this past year compared to only 35% of men. Female senior leaders are 24% more likely than their male counterparts to ensure their team's workload is manageable, which mm. we are seeing in this letter. Um, and 60% of the female leaders are more likely to show support. And then here's the big one. One in three women have considered downshifting or leaving or switching jobs due to the burnout uh, caused by this pandemic. So I, all that has to say to this manager, I say... Mary Abijay says, go fight for your f team. I think you should absolutely raise this. I think you're going to have to raise this in a, a strategic way. But I say, go fight for your team. It's not equitable and it's not fair. So see if you can't develop an alternative plan and present it to the powers that be. 
Is there a way that you can provide coverage and still offer at least some flexibility, hopefully equal flexibility to your support staff people, you know, or offer it as a pilot. But I normally I say to managers, you got to toe the line. But in this case, I say you got to fight the line because in this market, you can't afford to lose good support staff. So make your good, make a good business case for this and get your people what they need. I think your answer is is really uh, spot on. Um, I, I would add just one thing I had noticed because one of the reasons that women who are in relationships um, uh, at, and in the home, working at home, they take on more home responsibilities. Yes, they do. And what's interesting about that is men are taking on more responsibilities than they have in past generations. They're actually working an hour or two per week more than their fathers once did. And they imagine themselves at parody now, even though they're nowhere close to parody. <laughs> delusional, it's as very usual. delusional. So, but anyway, back to your issue about the office. I thought you're, you made a very interesting point about this uh, equity and fairness. And, and that's, you have to take that into consideration because um, you have to, it depends on the culture of the firm. Yeah. Some firms literally have this de facto class system where the professionals are one tier and then the support staff is a rung below. If that's the case here, then you have to make a headway in terms of a, a business case that clearly explains how you will maintain the level of service expected of them five days a week when they're all work. Some of them are working um, three days a week on and two days. So the alternative schedule. So that has to be an ironclad presentation. I, I also would suggest because if it is this de facto system, you have to. You should experiment with a single uh, office or department before you roll it out, because they're going to have their doubts. Like, oh, I don't know if they can do this sort of thing. Uh, Plus, they're accountants, so they're going to see the the data, yes, the spreadsheets. Exactly. But yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah. So and so and then you be prepared. And this is where Mary made this point very strongly. Hey, it's this is the right thing to do. But beyond that, uh, if you, uh, if it's the cost involved with losing this talent. And there's the money there. You just do the numbers. If we lose 20% of these uh, this staff, the cost of replacing them in this tight labor market, which means we'll have vacancies this long, there's a cost. Now, conversely, if it's a more egalitarian culture, which is one that, that Mary says that we would hope you are, where everyone is equal here and values the, all contributions, then I don't think the business case is nearly as stringent. I think since everyone's on the same page, you just need to be clear about how you will cover them. So in that, uh, because in any case, other firms will be looking to do this as well. And so some kind of accommodation has to be made because support staff will talk to other support staff in other businesses and say, oh, you're getting treated that well, that's where I'm going. So uh, if you want to keep your best performers, then I think you should, some accommodation is in order. So give them what yeah, they want. Yeah, I think that's right. And I like the way that you said, you know, build your case around the culture and the right. kind of what the organization values right. and what's going to be the message that they hear. Because right. I think that's right. You know, chances are the organization... Uh, is allowing the professionals to work remotely part-time because th that's what the professionals want. So they're trying to retain those professionals. So I think you need to remind the powers that be that you also need to retain talented, experienced support yes. staff because they're being recruited 
out as well. And they have opportunity as well to walk. So yeah, I I completely agree. We are in alignment, Krista Santos. Well, I, again, I think what happens in most businesses is the 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 front line, the the money spinners, the people that bring in the money, will always get precedent precedence. It seems over the That's people right. that process and keep the business and operation in moving along. Yeah, which and you know, and I can understand. I, I understand how people fall into that trap. It's really easy because if you don't deliver business, you don't get any business. You don't make any money. But it's a it's a false trap that people yes. fall into. So you have to start remembering to support your people. Well, they're not so, thinking systemically or holistically. Yeah, that, look, uh, they're not thinking like an organization. Exactly, because like, there is competitive advantage of having staff that is really motivated and and involved yeah. because the processes can be either save you money, make you money, you know, or save you time. Again. That's right. I so, love it. I love it. All right. So we, three questions back in the pool, and I think we've helped these people swim a little I bit. I think we did. <laughs> well, Chris, as always, it's a joy to see you. Uh, thank you to all of our listeners, all 20 of you, for tuning in today. Huge thanks to our amazing uh, executive producer, Mr. Jack Edinger, uh, for coming back in the pool with us today. Uh, if you have a workplace question, a cubicle dilemma, or any kind of a challenge, Give us a shout. No questions too easy. No questions too hard. And there are lots of ways you can reach us. You can find us on email. Send an email to info at cubicleconfidential.com. Tweet us at cubicleconfide1 or connect with us on LinkedIn, Cubicle Confidential or Chris DeSantis or Mary Abijay. People, you know, we're easy to find. Uh, so, and if you're enjoying the show, don't forget to give us a review. Am I right, Chris? You know it. Five stars would be nice. <laughs> Chris likes the number five, so make, it, make sure it's a five, five star. All right. And so until we see you next week, work hard, be kind. And if you can't, call us. Call Chris. <laughs> <laughs>